Thank you. That was that was uh, <clears throat> awesome. Thank, thank you, Noah. It's uh, so awesome to me to be able to see these young people being out, be able to come out here and, and read the word and just being able to participate in what's going on here at Christ Church. So that's really awesome to see. So as he said, my name is Matthew Pinnell. <clears throat> um, bear with me this morning. Hopefully my voice will hold up. I think, I don't know if y'all were here a while back when Tim made me eat that frog up here on stage. <laughs> well, it, it hasn't left my throat. So, so, so last week, uh, Lance introduced us to a new series going through the letter of James entitled Faith and Works. And Lance, he kicked off the series talking about how the testing of our faith produces perseverance. Well, today we're going to move into talking about listening and doing. So the key theme today is going to be it is not enough to simply listen to God's word. True listening requires both effort and action. I'm going to repeat that one more time. It is not enough to simply listen to God's word. True listening requires both effort and action. So every time I hear those first verses that Noah read for us in James where it talks about being slow to speak and quick to listen, my mind immediately goes to, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And, and here it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So the, so the interesting thing here about Deuteronomy is in 6-4 where we see the word hear, that word hear here is actually uh, the Hebrew word which is pronounced Shema. And it's the same word James uses when he tells us to be quick to listen. So this Hebrew word, though, it means so much more than just simply listening to an audible noise in your ear. It means hear me. And this is God talking. It says, hear me. Pay very close attention to what I'm saying. And in doing so, respond in obedience to my words. Therefore, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. <clears throat> so, anybody who's been here before and listened to me preach, you, you know that I always tell you a little more about myself a, a, every time, just so you kind of get to know me. Well, this time I'm going to share a little story about, about, about listening and being slow to speak. And I actually called my mom this week and I asked her just to make sure I had the story right. And she said, are you sure you want to tell that story in church? And I said, and I, and I was thinking, well, you know, just in case anybody around here still thought that I was somehow perfect, I, I, I want to make sure and break it down in this story that I am not perfect, okay? And, and just to lay the foundation even more, in this story, I was a 13-year-old little punk kid, okay? So, so don't hold it against me, okay? So... So my dad always had this thing where, he told, where he'd tell me every time before I left the house. He would always say one simple word. He would say, think, think, think. And in doing that, I now, looking back on it now, see that there's some deep theological significance in that. What he was really telling me to do is slow down. Don't speak before you think about it. Don't act before you think about it. You know, listen to God's voice so that you don't do anything stupid. Okay, so here we are, me and my mom and some of our friends. Now remember, this is 13-year-old this is little punk me, okay? D d don't forget about that, okay? This is, like, this is like fit for life, okay? This is the judgment-free zone, okay? So, so nobody, nobody hit the lunk alarm on me or anything, okay? So we're sitting in a restaurant, me and my mom and a couple of our friends, and the waitress comes over to, to take our order. 
And as she's coming over to take our order, I see this guy that I know walking with a girl at the front of the restaurant. And me, being the 13-year-old little punk kid that I am, blurt out, why, why, is this, why is this guy always dating big girls? Remember, 13-year-old little punk kid me, okay? And before I knew it, the waitress turns and looks at me and says, that girl's my sister. So imagine me just inserted my nasty smelling foot into my mouth. It's now slumped down in my chair, and I'm like, I just want to be anywhere but here right now. And that's why my mom was like, you sure you want to tell that story? So this just paints the significance of slowing down, wait, think about it, run it through some filters, like I tell my kids. You know, I'm like, run it through the filters before you let it come out to make sure that it's, that it's something that should be appropriate. So our section in James begins with James addressing his hearers as brothers and sisters. This here is familial language. James considers his audience his family. James deeply cared for his flock and begins here in verse 19 by encouraging his family to be quick to listen, slow to speak, which I obviously wasn't very good at, and slow to anger. <clears throat> so given the context of this verse and the verses that follow, James most likely is referring to slowing down and listening to the words of God. Because James goes on to talk about how human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires, but the humble acceptance of the word planted inside of you does. So what happens, though, when we don't listen to God? So James tells us that listening and not doing leads to unrighteousness. So let's turn to Genesis 4 and take a first-hand look at an example of what happens when someone hears God that audible noise hears them, but doesn't follow through in obedience. So Genesis 4, starting in verse 3 through verse 7, we see Cain and Abel both bringing sacrifices to God. But for some reason, which we aren't exactly sure of in the text, Abel's sacrifice at this time was looked upon with favor, while Cain's was not. And naturally, because of this, Cain became very angry. But here's the key here. God tells him to slow down and listen to his voice, listen to God's voice. He tells him if he does what is right, he will be accepted as well. All Cain needs to do is listen and obey. All he needs to do is listen to the voice of God and trust in God's methodology and his timing. God says to Cain, listen you can rule over this crouching beast of anger inside of you. You can listen to my voice right now, and you have the power to do what I'm telling you to do. You too can have the righteousness that I desire for you. But we know how this story goes. Instead of listening and obeying, Cain's path leads to tragedy. <clears throat> Cain listened. He heard the audible voice of God. But he did not do what God had encouraged him to do. Anger won, and Cain lost. Cain wasn't the only one to lose here, though. Cain's inability to listen and obey cost the life of his brother as well, because he couldn't rule over the anger that he was meant to rule over. This is what happens when we listen and don't do what God is telling us to do. 
This goes back to the familial language James opened up with in verse 19. When we are merely listeners of the word and not doers of the word, we aren't the only ones affected by that. Our brothers and sisters in Christ become collateral damage to the sin we are meant to rule over. So that raises the question. So how do we become hearers and doers then? Well, it starts with something like this. It starts by what James says in verse 21. It starts with getting rid of something old and replacing it with something new. James' use of the words get rid of or put off connotes this idea of removing clothes, literally taking our clothes and throwing them in the trash. This clothing metaphor is the idea of stripping off our pre-Christian lifestyle. But the thing is, this is to happen simultaneously with the humble acceptance of the word that has been planted in us. James here seems to be metaphorically offering a mashup of what Paul urges Christian brothers and sisters to do in his letters to the Galatians and the Colossians. For you see in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, Paul uses this same plant metaphor to urge his believers to prune off or throw away the bad fruit produced by the plant and grow new fruit in line with God's word. Then in Colossians 3, 5 through 14, we see Paul uses this clothing metaphor to convey the exact same point. He urges believers to throw away their old, stained, worldly garments and clothe themselves with Christ. Both James and Paul are making the same exact points. Truly listening to God involves action. Truly listening calls us to act on the word through a lifestyle change in what we do and how we treat people. We are not to be merely hearers of the word. We are to be doers of the word. After the use of these metaphors, James makes his point very, very clear. In verse 22, he says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what the word says. How we respond to God's word matters. What we do matters. Our deeds matter. The New Testament authors, as well as Jesus, make this point crystal clear. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is telling us here that we are saved by Jesus and Jesus alone. But we aren't saved to merely be listeners of Jesus' words. We're not saved to just take in what Jesus is saying and, and it not change us. We are meant to be listeners of the word and doers of God's word. What we do matters. <clears throat> and again, another example. John, speaking to the seven churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation, tells them 
that Jesus himself is walking with the churches and he knows their deeds. I hear that and I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I always want Jesus knowing my deeds. And I'm sure some of these churches think the same thing because this is bittersweet to these churches depending on what side they find themselves on. For some of the churches, Jesus is walking with them and says, I know your deeds and you're doing an awesome job. You're doing great and I will give you life as your victor's crown. The problem is, to others, Jesus once again says, I know your deeds too. The problem is your deeds are self-serving and your deeds are useless for the kingdom of God. Jesus tells these churches because of their deeds, things are going to go very, very badly for them. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but it seems to me that what we do with the words matters. How we live matters. Choosing to be more than listeners of the word, but doers of the word, it matters to Jesus. We have a choice of how to respond to the word. Revelation is not the first time that Jesus emphasized the importance of what we do. Let's turn to Matthew 21, 28-32 and take a look at a story of two brothers confronted with the challenge of listening and doing. So Matthew 21, starting in verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors... And the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So this audience here that Jesus is talking to is the Jewish leaders. So these Jewish leaders are supposedly, they're supposedly the best in all of Israel at, at listening and doing what is right. And here we see two sons. The first son that, Jesus, that, that the father comes to is in a state of rebellion this son is characterized by the prostitutes and the sinners because of the way they are living their lives. They are in an initial state of rebellion. This first son, however, eventually repents. He goes into the vineyard and starts producing fruit for the kingdom by his actions. The second son is initially accepting of the word. This son is characterized by the Jewish leaders. However, he also repents just like the first son. The second son repents from his initial acceptance of the word, and he enters into a state of rebellion. He, by his actions, is no longer producing fruit for the kingdom. So Jesus asks a maybe not so obvious question to us. And in verse 31, we see that the Jewish leaders, by answering Jesus, they answer him correctly. They seem to be listening to what he is saying. My question would be, though, are they actually listening at all? <clears throat> if, they, if, if their actions, 
if they're not led to action in producing fruit for the kingdom? Are they even listening? Are we even listening at all to his word if we're not going out and actively producing fruit for the kingdom? My answer will be no. And because of their lack of action, Jesus tells them that the prostitutes and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom ahead of the Jewish leaders, the ones who are supposed to be the best at listening and doing. The sinners have listened and obeyed and are now bearing fruit through their actions for the kingdom of God. So going back to our main text in James, we get some practical teaching about how foolish it would be to hear the word that can save us and it not prompt us to action. In verses 23 through 25, James tells us the story of a person who looked into a mirror and walked away and immediately forgot what they looked like. My gut instinct in hearing this is how ridiculous is that? However, on the surface, it might seem ridiculous, but what James is getting at here is that when we look at ourselves in a mirror, it is usually but with a passing glance. James contrasts this passing glance in the mirror with a person that stares for a prolonged amount of time. That prolonged stare is what we see in Psalm chapter 1, where the psalmist says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit and season, and whose leaf does not wither. Y'all see here what the psalmist is saying? It's an intense stare here that it leads to being planted by the river and producing fruit for the kingdom. That person that stares intently into the perfect law that James talks about. And when James says perfect law, he's most likely calling back to Jesus' own words on the Sermon on the Mount in Jesus 5.17, where he tells them that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. For James, the perfect law is the one fulfilled through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is only by hearing and meditating on the words and life of Jesus, followed by action, living like Jesus, that we are truly free and blessed in what we do. We are free because Jesus has set us free. And we are truly blessed when we are a blessing to others by living out our faith through action. It is only when we commit these teachings to practice through actions that we truly bring significance to them in our own lives. John writes in 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, How can the love of God be in that person? How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. You see here in this passage that John takes what James is saying even a step further. 
and says, how can we even love God if our listening is not moved to action? James concludes his, his passage here with saying something very similar to what John says. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James in this text has, gone, has grown progressively practical and specific in his call to respond appropriately to God's word. Verses, 23, tr- verses 26 through 27 culminate James's progression of where in verse 21 he talked about accepting the word. And then he goes to verse 22 and he says, do the word, which then becomes do the law as fulfilled in the life of death, and resurrection of Jesus. So James suggests three ways in which believers can do the word or law. These three manifestations of obedience to the word introduce or touch on key ideas that James will return to again in the letter. And they set the foundation for everything that will be talked about going forward in his letter. The words here used in verse 26 and 27, religious and religion, they are very rare in the New Testament. Only, the only other recordings of those are in Acts and Colossians, and for much the same reason that many Christians avoid those words. For they are very general in meaning, either referring to worship in general, and especially often to the outward practice of ceremonies and honor to a god, and then among the Jewish writers, the words often referred to the cultic worship of the temple. So perhaps here James is deliberately choosing such broad terms in order to drive his point home. <clears throat> Anyone who has claim to a true godly experience must submit those claims to these three tests. The first test, controlling the tongue. The second test, concern for the helpless. And the third test, Avoidance of worldliness. When we become followers of Jesus, I've already said it many times, what we do matters. Controlling how we talk to people matters. Taking care of those who can't take care of themselves matters. Not conforming to this world while still remaining a faithful witness of Jesus in this world matters. It is not good enough to just listen. We must respond through our actions. God has some pretty strong words about this as spoken through the prophet Isaiah to the people of God. Let's turn together to Isaiah chapter 1 and read verses 10 through 17 in closing today. So Isaiah 1, starting in verse 10. Hear... We see this word here again. Hear the word of the the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of of Gomorrah. It's really important to, to know here that this is Isaiah talking to the people of God, and he's calling them Sodom and Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings 
of rams, of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. When you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed and take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. <clears throat> I know when I was doing this study and I, my toes got stepped on. Jesus most likely has this very passage in mind when he once again is confronted by the Jewish leaders in Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew 23, 23 through 24, Jesus says to these same Jewish leaders, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. You see, these Jewish leaders, they were offering but a passing glance in the mirror of Jesus' words. If they would have been stared Instead, stared intently into the word, their actions would have been changed and they would have realized being doers of the words is about taking care of the people in their lives. If Jesus were standing right here in this room today speaking to us, he might would tell us that our actions, they mean extending aid to the helpless in our world, whether they be widows and orphans, Immigrants trying to adjust to a new life, impoverished third world dwellers, the handicapped, or the homeless. I don't know about y'all, but I don't wish to stand before Jesus and hear the words, Woe to you, you hypocrite. You were blind to what truly matters. Instead, let us listen intently to the words of Jesus and be forever changed to live out those words daily through our actions. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. I pray that none of us would ever stand before you and hear the words, woe to you, you hypocrites. I pray <clears throat> that by listening to your word, Father, that we wouldn't offer but a passing glance, but we would stare intently 
into your word, that we would stare intently into the life of Jesus, and that we would be changed forever. Thank you for Jesus and his life, for setting this example for us, Father. I thank you just for this, this honor of being able to, to share your word, Father. I thank you for each and every person in this room. I pray that our listening would result in doing what you tell us to do, Father. I pray all this in, in your son's name. Amen.